and welcome to this episode of Comics Deserve Better, where we are completely anti-gender reveal parties. Don't have gender reveal parties. Um, with me tonight. That's right. Don't start state fires, please. Yeah, please. I had to. I had to soapbox for like two seconds. Um, with me tonight <laughs> is uh, Brian. Hello, everyone. And Darcy. Hello. So we're just going to kick things off with a little bit of a news. So between um, recording our last episode and the time it went to air, SBX just announced their 2020 Ignatz Awards. If you don't know what the Ignatz Awards are, they're um, awards for small press cartoonists. And yeah, and they're named after the brick throwing mouse from Crazy Cat, which if you didn't write Crazy Cat, uh, I don't know, stop listening to this podcast and seek it out somehow. Come back but we'll talk about it later. So yeah, so I, I'm just gonna, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna read through all the, uh, the Ignatz Awards nominees. So our Outstanding Artists category, we have Anna Galvian, Press Enter Continue from Fandagraphics. And we have Tianren Shu, Slices of Life, 100 Comic Montage. And then uh, we talked about it on the show previously, Rosemary Bolero O'Connell, Don't yeah. Go Without Me from Shortbox. And then we have Michael DeForge, Familiar Face from Drawn Drawn and Quarterly, and Guts by Katie Hicks. So next- Not the the other Guts, but this uh -uh. Guts. No, it it looks really good. Like the art cover is super surreal, like it's true body horror. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. And one thing I like about it is, uh, we'll have this link on Twitter, is that there's links to buy the small press, these these nominees. So you can instantly support these these, uh, artists. So then our next uh, category is the Outstanding Anthology. The first one is Be Gay, Do Comics, edited by The Nib. And then we have Dates 3, which is an anthology of queer historical fiction stories, edited by Zora Gilbert and Kat Para. And then we have LLAB, number four, edited by the great Ron Wimberly and Joshua O'Neill from Beehive Books. And then we have The Anthology of Mind by Tommy Mysteri from Fanagraphics and Sweaty Palms Volume 2 by Sage Copy to round things off. Next is Outstanding Collection. So this is like, I guess, trade paperback graphic novel format. We have Gleam by Freddie Carrasco from Piao Studio. Glenn Ganges in The River at Night by Kevin Hazinga, drawn in quarterly. Inappropriate by Gabriel Bell, Uncivilized, <laughs> which has a really fun cover. I love that cover. And again, we have <laughs> Slices of Life, a 100 comic montage by Tianran Chu. And finally, uh, The Complete Works of Fante Bukowski by Noah Van Syver, uh, Fanagraphics. The good Van Syver brother, yeah, was- <laughs> not a Nazi. The one who does um, self-deprecating indie comics and memoirs about uh, growing up Mormon. Um, he's a pretty good artist. Did you say they're like brothers? Him. Yeah, they're brothers, yeah. Which I is hilarious. I did not know that. Yeah, they're Interesting. brothers. Their work is completely, his world is apart, but I mean, I guess. The odd that, couple. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just thought they had the same. I that's a really specific last name, so I don't know yeah. why I thought they weren't related. But holy goodness! Yep, yep they're related. They're brothers. Just, yeah, yeah, me too. I'm like, and I'm like, yeah. man, Skyver, that's not a really, really popular last name. But I'm like, surely they're not related because their their aesthetics are just. You Absolutely. got some kind of mainstream drafter Nazi guy, and then you got like this more introspective indie cartoonist. Um, it's like the Dylans. I mean, Steve Dylan, and I'm drawing a blank on his brother's name. Oh, Glenn Dillon? Well, Glenn Dillon, thank you. And, but obviously they're both mm-hmm. good people. I think, <laughs> they were, yeah. I think uh, yeah, Steve Dillon and Glenn Dillon, I mean, they, Glenn Dillon did a lot of mainstream stuff. I, don't, I, really, I really think it's kind of unprecedented with them. Um, 
for sure. So then we have just, yeah. (laughs) Then we have an outstanding comic. So we have My Dog Ivy by Gabrielle Bell, Uncivilized Comics, Cry Wolf Girl, Ariel Reese, another short box book. Cosmo Knights by Hannah Templer from Top Shelf. I've I've seen that one pop around a lot. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Mooncakes, which is uh, from Wendy Shu and Suzanne Walker from Oni Press. That's on my short read list. I have to read that soon. Death Tomorrow Forever by Josh Bayer from Tinto Press. And then finally, just going down the categories real quick. Outstanding Graphic Novel, Hot Comb by Ebony Flowers. Skip by Molly Mendoza. Pittsburgh by Frank Santoro. How I Tried to Be a Good Person by Uli Lust. (laughs) And This Is Our Pact by Ryan Andrews. And then we have Outstanding Mini Comic. Mini Comics are great. They don't get enough love. Chapter 2 by Karen Katz. The Gulf Number 5 by Wen Wen. Canvas by Theo Stoltz. I Feel Weird, number four, by Haley Buck. That looks very relatable. Yeah. Uh, Black Hole <laughs> Heart by Kathy G. Johnson. And then we have Outstanding Online Comic. I Exist by Brina Nunez. Like the Tide by Isabella Rotman. Superposed by Seo Sam and Anka. And At Gabby Schultz by Gabby Schultz. Witchy by Ariel Reese. <laughs> so then we have Outstanding Series. We have The Misplaced by Chris Callahan. Superposed by Seo Sam and Anka again. Fizzled by Whit Taylor, Coos by Coos, uh, Coos, I think, Frontier, and then we have Outstanding Story, The Lab by Allison Conway, The Hard Tomorrow by the great Eleanor Davis, The Weight Number Nine by Melissa Mendez, Little Red Riding Hood, which is a story and inappropriate by Gabriel Bell, uh, Bottom Feeders by Ezra Clayton Daniels and Ben Passmore, and then Promising New Talent, so it, this is the way of the future. We got AJ Dungo, Sylvia Nickerson, Theo Stoltz, Emil Wilson, and Andrew Lorenzi. So those yes. are our SBX Ignatz nominees. And Very cool. The, we will probably be covering them on future shows. So. Uh, Hot Comb, definitely, and Mooncakes, I would say, are the two that pop up in my head right away. But, I mean, comics is a, me- is a, is a medium and art form that's meant for getting voices out and this is exactly what this is doing so that's great yeah and sadly that's there's a no big list of a lot of books i've not read yeah yeah, yeah and unfortunately you know small press expo is not happening this year but luckily they have they have a decent online presence you can just kind of have your own virtual artist alley experience by just clicking on the website and if you're in washington dc they also have um you can pick up because the SPX is in the DC area. You can uh, pick up some of the books at the Politics and Prose Bookstore, which is a it's a big uh, bookstore in DC, independent bookstore. Not my favorite independent bookstore in DC. That'll be Capitol Hill Books. But <laughs> all right. So next, and this is like the big news. Like everyone, I feel like everyone was talking about this. Um, so the Boom Studios announced a comic a while back. Announced a comic called Berserker. B R Z K R. Um, and it was going to be co-written by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent. Originally, the art was going to be by Alessandro Vitti, but uh, Ron Garney, who I think he's drawn like Captain America, Daredevil, a bunch of uh, comics for the big two, is doing the art. And then they just they announced a Kickstarter um, for some reason or another. The book is already funded, but apparently they wanted to reach a new audience. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this uh, Berserker Kickstarter? Well, it definitely i think the big problem is is that this is a book that's got a lot of notoriety 
and it's got and like you said it's already funded and the whole point of a kickstarter comic is to get you know voices out that probably couldn't get themselves published and they're already published <laughs> so it's kind of a misuse of a, of a medium and it's also i mean it's taking away people's dollars that could have gone to other comics possibly on kickstarter so not too not too happy about that it's not quite i think the bella thorne thing where you're crashing whole systems that aren't made for it but i know indie comic people who aren't happy because of what brian said like kickstarters made for indie comics or not specifically for indie comics but the comic side of it that's kind of what it's it's for places that need to fund it. I get they're wanting to create sort of an alternate distribution method, but considering this is kind of a moment when local comic book stores are having problems getting people into comic book stores, and this is definitely a comic I think people would come out to buy because it is a comic with sort of notoriety behind it. Uh, this would definitely be a comic that could probably sell quite well in comic stores. So creating an alternate distribution method to keep people out of comic book stores is kind of not great, especially when comic book creators and comic book publishers are constantly like, oh, support your local comic book store, support your local comic book store. This is like the exact opposite message, which feels kind of hurtful in a way. I, I say as a person who's primarily a digital reader, so I can't really say anything, but the message itself is kind of a little awkward for me. I don't, you know, sell indie comics. I don't do Kickstarter selling myself, so I don't speak as an expert, but the whole thing just feels really awkward and kind of gross to me. I understand why they're doing it because you can have stretch goals and do all the extra stuff, but it doesn't feel really necessary. And it, I, I personally have always like, oh, finding a different distribution method would be interesting because, you know, diamond, you, but mm -hmm. this feels like a way to cut out comic book stores and they're not the ones that have caused problems for people and stuff. I don't really like it personally, but you know. Eh. Now, do we know whose idea this was? Was it was it Boom or was it the creators or? I I don't really know. I think honestly, I think it's more. I think it's more of a Boom. It's a Boom thing. Um, That's interesting. Because because I think like yeah, Boom Boom is seeing this as a way to make extra money off a name of a celebrity. Uh, as honestly, if you look back in their history, they've been doing this for a while. I mean they. Back at the beginning, yeah. they were they they had the Stan Lee license, which like Stan Lee wouldn't write the comics. Obviously, he might have a, come up with like one sentence, but it would say like Stan Lee's whatever, and yeah, and I, I just think if you're just trying to sell extra books, and so I see from a from a purely capitalistic standpoint, I can see like yeah, people instead of paying you know twenty five dollars for a hardcover, they'll pay. I think I looked, I like glanced over it. I think up to like a grand on a hardcover. I'm like that's crazy. I mean, what? That's like, like with all these like extra sketches and autographs mm -hmm. and shit. So that's like I'm doing the math in my head right now. That's like forty hardcovers for the price of one. So yeah. I can see I can see that. But yeah, but it's like really it reminds me a lot of um, 
back, I forget what year it was, like 2016 maybe, Archie did a Kickstarter for their titles, even though they had like really big names like Mark Wade, Fiona Staples, Zdarsky, Eric. It was that like new Archie line that had all the big name creators. And it just kind of rang hollow because it's like, it's Archie. I mean, they're a small mom and, but they are small mom and pop company. So I could see where they could justify it. But Boom has all these, they have a first look deal with Netflix, 20th Century Fox. They probably already, there's probably already a fucking script for this berserker um, in the works. Cause I mean, yeah. the main character is spitting image of Keanu. It's Keanu. Um, it is totally him. It's just like a vehicle. It's like really, tra- I mean, I let the, the book looks interesting, but it's kind of transparently a, like a star vehicle for him. But they're just trying to make extra money through a comic. Um, no, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying now if uh, hopefully, you know what, someone does this in the future with a big name, but instead of the money going to their pockets, it goes to a charity. That'd be a great way to raise some money. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, they, they really shouldn't be doing this. And also, Boom Studios, um, if you, there's, a, I think, an article by Stephanie Cook kind of looking into their pay rate. They've, they've historically had really low pay rates for especially artists and colorists. And they have creator-owned deals, but those deals aren't as ironclad as some people thought. Like, look into the Lumberjane, like the creators, uh, the ownership of the Lumberjanes, for example. So they could you know if they had you know they could you know have used this money to actually pay their creators but instead i mean i mean i bet ron garney is getting a really good page rate for this book i mean but um and i and i could see i mean i don't know i I could see someone like keanu reeves like not taking a page rate from it obviously but i don't know um it's just yeah, with with Boom's history, it just kind of just rubbed me really the wrong way, and I just I don't think they should have done it, and they should have canceled it like Archie did. But apparently, let me let me pull it up real quick uh, on a Kickstarter. Oh, the funny thing. Oh, good Kickstarter. See, like Kickstarters make sense when you're not when you don't have a publisher, but not you know even if you're a big name. Ex- exactly. Like I've seen, I've, I've participated in Kickstarter. I think most people who read comics have anthology Kickstarters, weird, random Kickstarters. I did one. I don't know. Have you read Corpus, uh, medical elements? Oh, oh yeah. I, I haven't read it, that but I remember that. Really yeah. great. I had some friends who contributed. Oh, to it's it, so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I contributed to that and got it. And it's just the, super super fabulous and it's not really something that i think most publishers should would be interested in it's all comics about sickness so it's incredibly random and niche it's one of those things that would pretty much only make it out of a kickstarter so it's there for a reason it works for a reason Yeah. yeah for sure i mean even like um like steve ditko before he passed away and he was doing his weird like Ayn Rand comics, like he was doing those on Kickstarter because, I mean, he's Steve Ditko. I mean, he's a big, right. but no publisher is gonna publish the, you know, the, the uh, Ayn Randy, the Randian rants of a, a man in his eighties. I mean, so he just did it on Kickstarter. So yeah, uh, just kind of to round things off. So currently, there are twenty three days to go in this Kickstarter, and Berserker has already raised six hundred seventy seven thousand. $741. This is as of September 7th. Um, it's 
over a thousand percent of its goal. So yeah, guys, nice you're making the rich richer. Welcome to America. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I just, yeah, really, I'm really uncomfortable with this Kickstarter. Let's, let's move on to maybe a more, a happier topic. So Brian, um, what is another piece of news? It's movie related. Let's go. Well, um, the four kids walk into a, a bank is being turned into a movie, which is pretty awesome. It's a great, great comic. If you haven't read it, I'll probably review it later or soon. Um, the uh, the person who described uh, the um, Dora and the Lossity of Gold is actually going to be writing the script for this. But I know Matthew. Uh, Rosenberg, the writer, is one of the oh. producers. So, yeah. and, the, and the artist Tyler Boss, and also uh, yes. Matt Pizzolo, yes. who's the uh, editor in chief, um, publisher, pretty much runs the whole show at uh, Black Mass. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're, and they're in LA, so I mean, they're perfectly. Yeah, I think I think this one could get made, especially everyone's into '80s nostalgia, and this one has a more of a crime crime tinge on it. Like, basically, like if you wanted the kids from Stranger Things to like drop F-bombs and, like, do crazy shit, like, this is the book for you. Um, and even if the movie suck, like, if the movie suck, which I don't think it'll suck, but um, the comic's really good. And also, Dora the Lost City of Gold was not that bad of a movie. So, I, I'm... It looked fun for yeah. what it is. <laughs> it was, it was good. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it was definitely aware of its origins, and it, it worked, you know? I remember... Darcy, you were saying off mic that you were wondering what they would do with the movie since this is a very much a comic book comic where was I? Don't remember you saying that or I've not read it, so I don't think oh. that was me. I think that was oh, me. I, I think that was me. I think that was oh, me. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but. Yeah. Now this is this is one I managed to miss, so I'm, I'm. Since we started this, I you mentioned that you wanted to do it, so I'm waiting. So I'll be fresh for it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm completely, completely blank on it. I mean, I know what it is, but I'm completely, completely blank on it for yeah. reading it. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think it, I could, I could think it could easily work as a movie. Just get like a, just get like a visually inventive director and style it up, and I think you'd be fine, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it but it is like some of the, like the layouts and the way like it's can only be done in comics. But they have some fun parts for the role playing, and then they have the characters that they're role playing, but with the voice of the the people that are the the kids that are role playing those characters. And, and you can do that. They did that. Yeah, Jumanji movie. That's that's really easy to do. I that's think, true, but I think you, just yeah. If you get a smart like a fun enough director, I mean, a lot of even like on the TV level, like I mean. The Doom Patrol show, the Deadly Class show. They did the, uh, I mean, they only had one season, but they did the acid trip, which is like, yes. which is like the most memorable scene issue of the comics. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's directors out there who, and especially, you know, with the creators and publisher of the comic on the um, producing side, they'll, they'll respect the, hopefully respect the source material. I'm like, like, you never know with Hollywood, like, whatever. But yeah, no, it's cool. I'm glad. I'm, anytime indie comics have a potential to be seen by a, a bigger audience, like, I'm always down, always. Cool. Definitely. 
Um, speaking of indie comics, we got a couple um, all ages imprints that just um, yeah, quick, just quick, two quick hits here. Uh, first, that Scout Comics is coming out with a a um, imprint called Scoot, and it's a imprint devoted to young readers ages four to twelve, and that's coming out in Yay. January twenty twenty one. Always happy for for younger readership, so that's yeah. pretty awesome. They have four books uh, now. Check this out. This is actually really cool. One of the books is uh, Soulstream, and it's written by a sixteen year old uh, named Seda Wolf. That's amazing. So I'm I'm super happy and excited to read that. Definitely. Yeah, that's is great. it just a sixteen year old? Is there a co writer? Um, I believe there's just an artist, and that's it. That's cool. uh, actually no, no, they're drawing it as well. It's Whoa! Just, it's, it's just them. That's awesome. That's so, I don't know if did you guys ever read what is that? Is it Silver Kiss? That was Amelia Atwater Rhodes. Uh-uh. Demon in my view. Nope. There was this uh, these two vampire books when I was a teenager that were written by a sixteen year old that got pretty popular. <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah, mean, I know little, there was that Aragon book that the fifteen year old wrote, but the less said about that. Yeah, that <laughs> that was a little bit later. These are really, really tiny vampire books that were written in the 90s by a little 16-year-old girl. Very, very I was cool. illiterate back then. Just kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then we got another another company doing an imprint, right? Um, Vault, which we'll be talking about later as well, um, is changing the name of their young adult uh, to Wonderbound and they're going to be launching it in 2021. They don't say which month, but that uh, is also coming out. Um, Vault's a very, very fun um, imprint, or not, or sorry, um, title or com- company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm excited to see what creativity that they get they get out of there. There's um, two, ti- there's four titles announced, um, and that's including a title named Rassel Castle and uh, the Unfinished Corner. Cool. So, um, any uh, any creators you would know working on those books or. It doesn't say on the article that I'm oh, not right now. Oh, they even announced. Okay, so but, time for me to have like a two-second sidebar about why I dislike the Comics Press sometimes. Or just companies yeah. in general. Like when you're announcing books, have creative teams. And, Tell them what they are. And have artists and colorists, not just writers. <laughs> Here, let's okay. see. And uh, Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover is Ooh. doing are doing Rassel Castle. Awesome! Yeah, they did bang and, Yeah. And let's see the unfinished corner. My amazing typing skills, but I can't spell. Uh, let's see. That is uh, Matthew Ehrman and drawn by Emily Pearson. Oh, Oh, sorry. My apologies. That's Bonding, which is also another book that's coming out. Unfinished Corner is written by Danny Coleman. All right, cool. We stay have some teams. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Vault. Vault's great. And yeah, go go with that. Hit that YA market for sure. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely where the money's at. I mean, look at the. I mean, I know Dogman's not YA, but like, I mean, look at the Telgemeier numbers. I don't know. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. So. And I would like to correct myself. Can I take a second? Oh, yeah. In the Forest of the Night, Amelia Atwater Rhodes, and she was 15. Ooh. Okay. That's, can we move on? that's <laughs> I'm even so better. Sorry, I didn't want to be wrong and somebody be really upset at me. <laughs> well, that's actually, cool. Darcy. I still have them. <laughs> okay, move on. Cool. All 
right, so we're going to move on to quick hits. So, uh, Darcy, what's your quick hit this week? Or, I mean, your yeah, quick hit this week. Yes, okay. Uh, this week, I want to talk about um, Akagami no Shiryukihimi. Uh, it is a manga, which I think is probably pretty honest, obvious based on the title, probably. <laughs> uh, the English title is Snow White with the Red Hair. And it is, I think in America, we are up to volume nine. And I think the most recent volume released the end of last month. It is a just incredibly chill calm kind of friendship comment technically it's kind of romancy but it's incredibly incredibly mellow like there's romance there but they're really really calm about it there's no like super tense bullcrappy love triangle that you have to worry about it's more about this girl and what she's doing, what I really, really love. It's very mature. We're not going to be ridiculous about the romance, which I appreciate it. So the first volume, we have this girl named Shiryuki, and she's in this kingdom with a prince who is absolutely, completely, and utterly ridiculous. Everybody thinks he's stupid because every once in a while, he'll get this idea that he wants this girl to be his concubine. And he's heard that somewhere in his kingdom, there's a girl with red hair and he decided he wants her. So Ginger he sends power. out his, basically, <laughs> he sends out, he sends out his vassal, go find me this girl with this red hair. And it's Shiryuki, obviously. And Shiryuki hears the request and she's like, give me a night. The dude goes away. She's like, well, he doesn't really want me. He wants my hair. So she cuts off her, her hair, leaves it on the table and leaves the kingdom, obviously, because that's what you do. And she is a uh, apothecary or a pharmacist. She goes into the woods, she gathers pharmacy stuff, she gathers herbs, and she's hanging out in this cottage that's just empty. And after a couple of days, I guess, it doesn't really measure time, this dude pops over a fence or something and hurts his wrist so she helps him his name's Zen they become friends he's got friends too and so there's three of them not seven like you know dwarves but there's three of them <laughs> and so they're all sitting there being friends and then boom the prince's vassal appears and I think there's poison apples involved at some point I don't know I haven't read volume one in a long long time but eventually she gets called back to protect she's got to like yeah there's poison she's got to get the anti-venom the anti the antidote and so she's got to get the antidote for zen and his friends she's like fine i'll go back to the prince and it turns out that zen's a prince too and all this stuff happens and then she ends up in zen's king and she's just there to become a pharmacist so the entire rest of the series is just her becoming a pharmacist and Zen being a prince and they're just friends and it's pharmacy stuff and kingdom stuff and living your lives. And that's it. And nice. it's incredibly interesting. The art is gorgeous. 
the costuming on this is like nothing I've ever seen before. It's completely her own style. I don't really know how to describe the, like the scenery is pretty much very European, but the costuming style is this mix of almost European, like Western European and Turkish sometimes. I don't, it's really lush and glorious. It's really hard to describe, but there's an anime version if you wanted to watch the anime version, but I wouldn't recommend it because they have to, you know, flatten the art. They have to simplify the costumings and it's just not as good because the costuming is so good in the comic. But it's a really interesting comic. I love it and I highly recommend it. Yeah, it sounds very, sounds... very cottagecore. <laughs> I, 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 lo I love how... <laughs> It's, it's very political um, because they kind of have to go around. Zen has to go do all his, you know, like politics, politics, but like his friends and her are always there to do their thing. But it's also very scientific because she and her side of it are very, you know, they're doing their botany stuff. So it's kind of like politics and science and friendship very cool i love the fact that it's not like your traditional love story and you know people can be friends that's awesome people can be friends with people that they love it's it happens so fabulous <laughs> yes. it does happen it doesn't have to be this big shakespearean nonsense all the time you just love each other so you do things for each other and you hang out and you can be with each other's friends without being ridiculous about it. It's wonderful. You can spend time apart and have your own jobs and it not be ridiculous. I love it. Wow. Happ happily ever after doesn't Where's mean the fun in that? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Brian, what was your uh, quick hit this week? I'm going to derail everything right now real quick um and just say um that last week we talked about three number ones um uh, inkblot lonely receiver and um we only find them when they're dead and they're all definitely worth picking up those are all three great books and as well as black widow from marvel i know we're not supposed to say that but it's super good um but so it was super good i agree yeah. <laughs> So I, I okay. I will move into my actual quick hit, which is Tartarus number five. Uh, came out two weeks ago, um, but I just read it last week. And um, Tartarus is a story of of a of basically colonies at war with each other that um, that started from just like basically different um, factions that believe you know with with different beliefs and one. Um, and it's the story of of a character who uh, grows up a, an orphan who is a um, who grows up an orphan um, and is unaware of that the fact that the her mother was the leader of the resistance um, from from years and years ago and then and then died tragically uh, as she was escaping from prison. Um, but um, but but when in her journey she meets her twin brother um, who 
kind of clues her in and essentially it's this story of like do i follow my family that i just discovered or do i follow like do i do what i need you know what i know is right because i was taught that you know like what what, what i was taught is that correct or is what my feelings are telling me is that correct so it's it's a it's a very fun story it's written by johnny christmas which is a fantastic name altogether and uh, and um art is done by jack cole um it's a good sci-fi drama with a lot of there's a there's a lot of fantasy and magic in it as well there's an entire like um, sect of people uh, called gins um, that uh, bend water and uh, create and basically uh, creates constructs and weapons and stuff out of uh, out of out of liquid so that's it's, it's a lot of fun yeah so I guess, I guess if you watched all of Avatar last year been here on Netflix check out yeah. this comic maybe I don't know there, and there's a there's a surprise ending that I'm not gonna Good. spoil but the nice. this is the end of the story arc of uh, the first story arc and it's definitely uh, a surprise at the end cool. <laughs> it's good so that means there's a trade coming up which means definitely could be a potential show episode yeah. so art's my, great. Yeah. and the art's great yeah yeah i've seen i've seen the art online i'm like this looks awesome kind of very very kirby um, mm-hmm. for sure there's a little, little mini kirby revival like then there's another book olympia at image it's also yeah, I get them mixed up for some reason, though they're very different. <laughs> Oops. Um, Greek mythology references. Speaking of mythology references, my, uh, my quick hit this week, it's from AWA Comics, which is a new company that was started by Axel Alonso and Bill Jemis, who both were executives at Marvel, for better or worse, once upon a time. And, Grendel, Kentucky, and the book is called Grendel, Kentucky. It just has one issue out. And it's written by Jeff McCormsey with art by... Tommy Lee Edwards. Tommy Lee Edwards has drawn a lot of good books over the years. Mother Panic and uh, some uh, some Invisibles. He's he's really good. Like he he's a very distinct art style. So basically, Grindel, Kentucky is Bale, but with uh, motorcycle gangs in Appalachia, Eastern Kentucky, not not Louisville, not Lexington, Eastern Kentucky in the mountains. And mm. but apparently. Uh, it's, it's not very realistic, which is okay, because, I mean, it's like a stylized mythology story. But apparently, like, the, instead of meth, the cash crop is, is weed, which is, which is much better, in my opinion. But, yeah, no, it's, it's cool. And it's very I – li- I like it a lot. It's just like that, that Beowulf, that family, the family dynamic, dy- dynastic dynamic, um, just transposed to this world. And it works really well, because, like, if you've read Beowulf, you know, there's the Hall of Hararot where they have, you know, feasts and crazy shit. And yeah. it's a motorcycle club headquarters, which it just transposes perfectly. And yeah, and the first issue, it's a lot of um, building the setting and building the characters. Um, not, not a lot of monster stuff, but I'm okay with it. And mostly, yeah, it, Edward's art really carries a thing. And also it kind of shows um, like a lot of like new comic startups. I feel like they'll, they'll go overboard with the writers, but not, get good artists to kind of back them up cough cough dynamite but i feel at least with this title um awa got and they will they they've also signed aco to do a book so they're 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 getting you know artists with distinct styles to draw in readers and try to you know because there's so many comic companies right now to try to you know compete with image and vault and dark horse and all these other publishers so yeah and it's cool and it's like a four issue mini series so 
think it'll be like a really tight monster crime story. Motorcycles, monsters, questionably moral people. Like it's a good time. Um, really good letters from John Workman too. He's a um, veteran letterer. So it's good stuff. If you, if you like, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, I'm, I'm, I'm hyping it up more for its potential, but if you, if you like mythology and you like crime stories and kind of want them to smush together, like check it out for sure. Sounds very interesting. Yeah. Definitely yeah. Does. And just the title, I mean, the title alone just drew, I didn't really read many comics last week, but I'm like, who Grendel, Kentucky. I like, I, used to, I lived in Kentucky for seven years. I love Beowulf. I have to read this. That's very cool. And, and, and he, Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, just, I thought it was the character of Grendel that, you know, from comics. Nope. And nope. I'm glad to hear that it's not. <laughs> no, I'm like, it, yeah, no, Matt, Matt Wagner is not involved in this, sadly. Yeah, it's it's uh, Beowulf, and it's kind of cool because you got a Beowulf riff going on in Once in Future. So mm-hmm. this is a really good time to be a Beowulf slash comics fan. And also, Beowulf had a recently got a really cool new um, translation where he, he's he, they translate um, the famous first word "what" as "bro." So dude, <laughs> like, it's a great time to be a Beowulf fan right now. Like, drink that bead, pull up in your your uh, feasting hall, and just have a good old time. Uh, cool. Speaking of, well, maybe a good time, maybe not. Um, we're going to move on to our main course, which is Fearscape. It's from Vault Comics. It's written by Ryan O'Sullivan with art by Andrea Moody. You might have seen his work on Rebels or Infinite Dark with colors by Vladimir Popov and lettering by And World Design. This was Brian's pick. So Brian, um, give our uh, audience a little kind of a little mini plot summary and why you decided to uh, pick uh, pick this book for this episode. Okay. Well, Fearscape basically is the story of um, a fraud <laughs> named uh, Henry Henry. Um, and uh, essentially what happens is that he uh, pretends to be another, his mentor who is a famous writer and is brought into a another dimension called the Fearscape where every fear is manifested in some way um and every generation the um a muse um or the muse comes out and uh finds the greatest writer of the generation and to fight the humanity's greatest fear at the time and for example once it was the plague the and once the the art the uh, the writer uh just defeated the uh defeated the 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 fear inside the inside fearscape that's when the 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 cure for the the plague was found and so they kind of everything kind of intersects with each other but the problem is this time is that the person chosen is not the person that they thought they was and essentially this character basically brings down the entire you know almost the entire universe cut with his lies and won't will not admit uh that he's wrong in any way the entire time um the one of the big the big reasons why i chose this is like um is it's a definitely it's a critique on on literary devices it's also it's you know it, it, it plays with a lot of things i mean the first page of the book is a is a nine panel um, page and it's blank and with, ju- with just words and kind of like saying why are we starting it this way because everyone starts it this way you know it's like and 
as well as um, it plays with the comic medium, and I I definitely love it when people use the the medium that they're that they're creating their art in, where they he does stuff that you couldn't do in any co- you know like any anywhere else. Like um, there's parts where he's retelling he's telling the story, he's talking he, he the 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 main character through his narration talks to the to the um to the reader and he loves and insults the reader at the same time depending on what the situation is and he also um during conversations to make himself look better he will actually put the word the the um the the word bubbles the narration is over what the characters in the story are saying so he blocks out what's actually happening and he rewrites the words to make him sound better you know instead of someone telling him off they're saying oh you're so great and like i totally understand what you're doing instead of like actually what's going on in reality so it's you know it's it's kind of a fun examination of of art essentially and medium and writing and creativity so yeah fun right <laughs> what was that fun right okay yeah Dar- darcy what did you think about fear escape um i'm going to toss in a content warning trigger warning yes sexual assault rape right because that is how the story ends kind of how the story begins as well so i don't know if this is true for a lot of people who haven't survived sexual assault but I think it's true of a lot of people who have survived sexual assault that you kind of see it coming if you expect it. I see it coming in a lot of stories <laughs> that I hear from other people that they don't necessarily see it coming. So I kind of saw the ending coming from the very beginning, not necessarily the very, very beginning, but the whole, <laughs> oh, lots of people suffer this and aren't assholes, as in sexual assault from their mentor but don't turn out to be giant assholes like henry henry totally true mm-hmm. totally an accurate statement as a sexual survivor myself i like to pretend and i think it's accurate that i'm not a giant asshole um but i know someone who is and i'm pretty sure he survived something himself i can't guarantee it but i'm, I'm i've got my I've got my suspicions and he is the one who sexually assaulted me. And so it's like, you know, like Catholic priests kind of thing. A lot of the people who were Catholic priests sexually assaulting young men were sexually assaulted themselves. Like this cycle of abuse, a lot of assholes uh, were abused. So you've got the cycle of abuse. So I saw it very clearly in this character that he is an asshole because he was personally abused so I saw that kind of very clearly in his character and I really kind of liked him also liked the Henry Henry thing because it was very much a Humbert Humbert thing yes I don't know if that was the intention wow English 101 good job English uh-huh. lit 101 right. oh Humbert I, the, I was gonna mention that I, as in my notes to mention so yeah. I, I figured that was the joke because like we're doing very basic it's literature stuff like that was yeah. that was that was he is a very basic bad 
he's he's a bad writer he's bad at what he does he's he's a terrible you know he steals things he is a plagiarist he is a mm -hmm. translator he is not he, he he's a joke essentially and so it made he's sense a joke just like this book his, is a joke yeah. oh okay so he's a joke so that's his name so i kind of enjoyed that that made sense to me that that was his name so that worked for me on a lot of levels and so we take in the emotionality of it and i enjoyed that we take in the art for it and so it had this really consistent for the emotionality for this really lush the lush purples the lush grays the lush blues I really liked that the fact that he was an asshole, the fact that he had all this trauma, it fit. The colors were great. Vladimir, I think was his name. Vladimir Popov. Yeah, he does an amazing job for sure. Fantastic colors. The whole one of the, one of the books fused like it in drowning. Graces. Yeah, just kind of drowning in these colors the whole time in that pop yeah. of yellow for the muse just really yes. felt right for that that second that he thought oh this is it maybe i can be better and then immediately he knew no no this is wrong not That's me good <laughs> and so that that kind of sucked for him but again asshole i get it um so overall i very much liked it um give me a second trying to think of anything else what all happened in this book three whatever's whatever heart mind blah 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 okay i'm done move on cool all right well i feel like this book was i'm just gonna i, I I'm, I'm just gonna throw this out this book is like joker was to taxi driver and king of comedy it's just a pale reflection of other you know metafictional fantasy stories Let's let's we got Sandman, The Unridden, um, The Magicians. This they're very the plot was very similar to The Magicians, which characters also um, dealt with sexual abuse in that one as well. And also it just also a little bit a li see. And here's the thing: like maybe down the road, I think it might be vindicated. It might be like Fight Club or something where people, you know, it's kind of such a um, complex work that people like come at it like completely missing the point, but then some people like kind of get the satire behind it. But mm -hmm. uh, I think, I don't know, there hasn't really been a m enough time and I, I don't think it really has had much of an impact either. So um, unfortunately it is getting a sequel, which I would be interested in if the if like the only likable character in it, the character who, you know, the only character really like, uh, Jill mm -hmm. was yes. the protagonist, yeah. but it's another Henry Henry party. And yeah, so like Henry Henry, it, it's the sequels, Henry Henry? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. So he's gonna be the protagonist in again. Maybe, I don't know, it, it's just, it could just be marketing. It could be a marketing ploy, who knows? But, so, yeah. So, but, so, could, but, but Henry Henry is like pretty much like that really annoying guy. I was an English major. He's that really annoying guy who when you read his- That was I. So when you read his, um, you know, read his stuff, it's just completely, utterly derivative of other works. And, and, it, and it's just annoying. But I feel like O'Sullivan's script, it's, it's basically, he's pretty much like lots of telling and not a lot of showing. He's pretty much just telling you like, this is so bad, this is so bad, but he doesn't do anything 
he doesn't add anything new to the equation. It's a, like those, it's like those family guy jokes where it's just, Hey, you've seen this movie before, blah, blah, blah. Or you've read this book before. He doesn't add anything new to it. So like I, the thing I liked about Sandman was the characters in the dreaming, like they had full three-dimensional lives of their own. The characters in the fearscape, they're just, you know, basic archetypes. Like the man with a thousand faces. Yeah, Joseph Campbell. The muse. Everyone knows that. Basically, don't read this comic. Read the issue of Sandman with Calliope in it. Because <laughs> it doesn't... Sandman is... I'm not saying Sandman is not better. Sandman yeah. is most definitely better. Yeah. Absolutely no question. Family guy's a little hard. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 dude, dude. I'll, so, I'll, I'll, I'll take a steaming dump on this book. Can, can I... Um... Can I interject? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I have to politely disagree. Yeah, um, I know, I know. Well, and, and the and the reason why? Okay, so I think the the it's saying this is a like okay, so yes, this is this is a, a story that's very similar to Sandman, but saying it's derivative, um, I would have to disagree because really the fearscape, the dreaming, it's well, well, much okay, the so same thing. It's a it's it's like a parody almost because it's. It, it, because the re, the reason the because this one this book is really funny, it's it, it because of is it just, funny? It's mostly like I, it I reminds me of going on like a like a bad it, date. It, it is a little bit funny. It, okay, it has. It its is moments. a little bit funny. Yeah, it it, 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 but the humor is the humor is derived from it being derivative, because it's yeah because because he's such a bad writer. Henry Henry is yes. and he's trying to write this story that's supposed to be something like a, like a dreaming like 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 Sandman but he can't do it and so and yes. so like and the thing is I'm sure those characters in the Fearscape are three-dimensional characters but he can't grasp that and that's why he's a failure and so and when it, he's no longer a writer the ending is funny yeah exactly so he's he's an asshole yeah. It happens to a lot of people. He's just an asshole. That's funny. Mm -hmm. It is. The, the entire time. I mean, it, it's sad, is, but it's funny. All this drama is created by him and his ego. And it really never had to happen. It's just he created this situation for himself because he can't admit that he's wrong. And he, and he also can't admit that he's a hack. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, just, I think. I think. I think it was trying to do a lot of things mm -hmm. and I don't think it did either of those things perfectly. I enjoyed it overall because I liked the characters and I liked the concept and I liked what was trying to be done. I like Sandman. I liked the attempt it was very simplistic it was yeah i mean the idea is cool i mean like i mean i was i was into it first issue i'm like okay i'm, I'm digging this um oh we got petrarch i'm like I, I thought he was gonna do dante but he does petrarch again i'm like okay yeah petrarch and laura i like that that was actually mm -hmm. pretty smart um but then yeah it just but then it just just dealing with that that cloying narration over five issues is just nauseating and and just i don't know it's, he's supposed to be nauseating yeah. He's supposed to be. He's awful. Yeah. And, and the fact that he He's gets... He's supposed to be terrible. Yeah, I know, but like... Yeah. You're supposed to hate him. Well, you know what? I've, I've watched Breaking Bad. I've watched Mad Men. I've watched The Sopranos. I'm just sick and tired of these 
cishet fucking antiheroes that we have to relate to, connect to, sympathize well, he's, with. He's not, he's not an antihero. You're not supposed to sympathize with anti-hero. This is antihero in scare quotes. This is what people call yeah. antiheroes when they're actually terrible yeah, people. I, yeah, they're yeah, not no, I, I, Yeah, I don't, he's not, that's the one thing I liked about him is he, he was at no point for me, he was at no point an anti-hero, anti-hero, any kind of anti-hero. He was the villain. Mm-hmm. He was irredeemable. That was the the very end. He is an asshole, period. He yeah. murdered the muse. He was going to murder the baby muse. He was <laughs> going to kill Jill. He was going to kill everybody. He was the villain, period. There was nothing to like about this guy. Did I feel sorry that as a kid he was raped? Yes, of course I did. Of course I did. That's something to feel terrible about the same way I feel terrible about anybody who was raped. But that doesn't mean you get to grow up and murder people. It doesn't justify anything. Yeah. It doesn't justify how you act as an adult. I don't think at any point, at any point in this story, you're supposed to like this character. No, no. And I mean, yeah, I, I, he's, but, but as, as Logan had said, there's going to be a, sec- a section of audience like as in Fight Club that think like, oh God, Tyler Dirt is the best person in the world. It's like, no, he's oh, terrible. God, Don't like him. <laughs> Fight Club know? is Fight Club's great. Or, this or like wishes Wolf of Wall Street is the same way. You know? Yeah, like but people... a lot of Fight Club and Wolf of Wall Street is the acting. That's yeah. charming acting. It's not the dialogue. It's well, I'm, talking not... About the, I'm talking about the sure. novel Fight Club. It's, it's Chuck Palahniuk. It's a, it's a, it's a queer... Uh-oh. It's a queer man satirizing, you know, toxic masculinity. That's a thing. Once you find out the writer is gay, it all makes sense. Well, I've read. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, it all makes I, sense. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, but this is just—it's just your normal, you know, guy who's, you know, honestly, like I haven't read many of Brian O'Sullivan's other comics. It's—it kind of comes across as like some guy who got his first big break and is going to try to swing for the fences, and you know, fouls one off and. Thankfully, the book does look good. Like, I'm, I'm like, I've been, I've been pretty negative in my review, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and talk about how good Andrea Moody's work is. And honestly, like, those fucking narration balloons covering that gorgeous art, like, come on, man, come on. Like, I think that's the, the, the whole point. Once again, that makes him so unlikable because he's ruining the story. Yeah, but the know? thing is, it's, it's also, it's not the character is not making the balloons. It's the author i know but that's a choice that he made to to piss you off (laughs) that's that's exactly what he's doing um and and there's so many i mean like one of my favorite panels in the the entire thing is when the baby muse is reborn and sees henry henry for the first time and it's just like bad (laughs) you know like this points and everyone's like doesn't understand what that means like oh it's like oh yeah like just a silly silly baby doing silly things also uh, a lot of the narrate i mean the thing is a lot of the, the narration it's pretty much saying the same thing it's saying lol i'm so unreliable like we get it you don't have to do it over and over again we get your unreliable narrator but at the okay. end he he then goes i'm not you know unreliable <laughs> i i've been tricking you this entire time when that's the most unreliable thing he says so it's like yeah i mean cool like whatever we get it we get the point from page one Except page one, at the, I thought they were doing the whole like author insert stuff, but then that was 
See, like the first few pages, I'm like, this is fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me, just switches. I hated switches the first few pages because I thought it was author insert and it pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which I like author insert. I mean, I like I like it when I like it when Grant Morrison goes in his own story and does his thing, and then gets killed off by another Damn. author because he's part of the DC universe. But but <laughs> that's once again, you know, like a lesser person does it. It's not as good. I mean, you're talking about one of the greats. Yeah. Well, and, and I, it, my and favorite he, part. Oh, I mean, yeah. and and it, it's not just like big name creators who have done this better. Like Kurt Perez did this a lot better in his book fiction for Boom. Mm-hmm. A lot, that was a lot smarter. Again, my favorite part is that is I agree the art, and again the colors. Anytime they move from the sections, specifically the. T- we go from the flashback at when he met his mentor and he goes from the scene with Arthur and you had those big white gutters straight to an image of the castle with absolutely no white and it's all purple and blue those colors were just so good I couldn't get over them I stared at that page for like Two whole minutes. I loved it. So there's definitely uh, there's definitely a dissonance between like the art and the and the writing. I mean, because you get these gorgeous, gorgeous like, portal fiction. You know, this could this could be a straight up like portal fiction of a dark sense of humor book, but no, it's just some guy who won't shut up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, but now, since you had mentioned Logan, the good things out of a book that you didn't like, I'll have to mention. I want to mention things I didn't like about this book. Oh, good. Um, good. Just a, a couple, just the two things. One, I feel that the sexual assault wasn't necessary in this book. Like, I don't, I honestly feel that, that this could have been the same story without that, that at the, you know, during, through the story. And I feel like that was just kind of tacked on, you know, at the, at the end, even though there is, it's obvious it's through the whole thing. But right. It, you know, I, yeah, I agree I, with that. Yeah. And then I also, um, I hate, I hate the F word, not the, not the fuck word, but the F word. And so I don't like that, that there's a few characters, there's a group of characters that that's how they address people in the story. And I, once again, it's like, like, yeah, we get it that they're like British, like gangs, gang street toughs, but you could have chose a, a better word <laughs> than that. Yeah. And, that's eh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, okay, cool, just whatever. I don't care. Yeah. This doesn't. I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I I think that the sexual assault was necessary mm-hmm. because of the. Um, he presented himself as like a hyper masculine stereotype of an author, and sexual assault is kind of like that. If you want an ultimate uh, hit to hyper masculinity, sexual assault is kind of it for that. Mm-hmm. It's it sucks, you know, but yeah. it's it's kind of it's kind of it. And and for a mentorship, it's kind of the ultimate slap for a mentor to a mentee. It's and it's and it's kind of a truth that happens a lot of times. I, I don't know. It, it it kind of, out of all the things that rang false in a story, 
that's kind of like the one thing that rang true okay in the story yeah. for me and yeah no it, that, that actually kind of clears things up as well for me I, I mean you know if you didn't like it you didn't like it yeah yeah but, but it's good you, it's, I mean, it's good you found I don't that personal any, i don't take anything that yeah yeah it's i don't want to take anything out of you know if you again if you didn't like it you didn't like it i perfectly understand yeah. it but it, it's like out of all the things that that felt awkward and i and like i said sandman definitely better. Mm -hmm. other things definitely do it differently and better but that's out of all the things that that felt awkward that's the one thing you know that shit definitely happens and i think maybe for me because it's such a difficult subject that i just and i and i hadn't i when i first when the first time i read it i didn't notice any anything myself and it was just and then it kind of hit me like a freight train you know like it was just like oh yeah okay but and then the second time reading it it's like it's was like okay because even like characters are saying like what are you hiding like why are you so obsessed with this person and and it's mm -hmm. it becomes more obvious and so no definitely yeah. I mean, yeah, it, oh. it adds, you know, adds some, some dimension to his, his uh, whatever, feeble excuse for motivation. Um, are so, you guys familiar with the term anxiety of influence at all? No. no. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's like a literary criticism uh, term, basically. It's by some old asshole named Harold Bloom, some old literary critic who groped <laughs> women and is burning in hell right now. <laughs> sorry, sorry being, a, being a little edgy i don't know i don't know. his own fear escape i don't know he's yeah and basically he, he had this theory because this is like before um a lot of like critical theory before like post-colonialism um feminism all all that good stuff that is adding new dimensions to, to literature and to art um looking at art he basically said that like pretty much he just did that whole basic like poets are always in like conflict with each other and um basically if you're a poet from another area, if the slay, metaphorically slay, uh, or maybe, or maybe in real life slay the poet from the previous era. And I feel like this book was kind of like the perfect illustration of it, um, for better or worse, but mostly worse because I feel like um, criticism has come such a long, even, I think he wrote that book in the 60s. I feel like criticism has become so much more nuanced since yeah. then. And it's just kind of, that's, that's why it came across as like a, like English, like a uh, English lit, lit crit one hundred and one jerk off, for the most part. But but, but it works. Also, but, like, but it's also not really set now. It doesn't feel like it's set now. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not. I mean, this book. It's. It, I'm gonna. I know lots of books say they have a timeless setting, and I think this book was definitely trying to go for that for sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, and I knew I knew this um, book would suck as soon as there was like a slow pan over like Narnia and Peter Pan and those books because I'm like, yeah, um, you make those books. <laughs> well, I think that's the point. Once again, that's the point. I know it's uh, the point. Now, if, if you, if you, Logan, if you kind of think of it as this as a pure satire, does that change? How I, you I, feel but the thing is, like, I can see it's satire, but it's not good satire. That's the thing. Okay. It can and be. You, I love. I, I fucking love satire. I was literally before this podcast reading. A, a Daniel Klaus satire book mm -hmm. of the comic book industry. I love good satire, um, but this just, oh, yeah. it just, you know, it's too, it's too full of its own ass to really be good satire. It has its moments, especially mm -hmm. as you mentioned earlier, when it plays with the medium, when he does his own, like he puts his um, word balloons over, you know, the muse's face. I don't think we talked about that. Like, I love that. Like, 
he's trying, he's such, he's um, kind of overcompensating. He's not a good enough writer or, I mean, Moody's a really good artist. Yeah. They're not a good enough at de depicting it visually. So he just like throws a word balloon over the big, you know, money shot reveal. So mm -hmm. I like, I like that a lot. That's super cool. I wish more creators would do that. Um, it's a really good use of the comics medium. Um, like the, yeah. like the multiple word balloons and having conversations is great. And like, I think more people other than Deadpool writers should do it. Like, but, uh, so yeah. And this book had some interesting formal things going on, but I just, I just, yeah, couldn't connect to the story. And I just, and, I got taken out of it a lot. Um, especially once he started like assaulting the muse. I'm like, like this has been done before. And honestly, that, that Calliope story that Gaiman did is, it's really disturbing. Mm -hmm. Like, like, uh, O'Sullivan and Moody like held back. I mean, cause in that, that Sandman story, it's like straight up sexual assault. Like it's terrible. Yeah. Like it's terrible. Um, like he, they don't hold back in that story at all, which <laughs> yeah. Well, lots on back there. I mean, definitely is there's better versions of this, but you know, like art's subjective, you know, and, and it didn't hit I you. Knew, uh, I'm going to do, do a drink for that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, it's, it's interesting to see like, so like a lot of the, like kind of the critical chatter about this, it's either people like, this is the best shit ever. Or people like, this is really gross and, and I'm tired of cable anti-heroes running around and acting like, acting out cliches on my page. <laughs> so. um, really quick, actually, uh, I just wanted to say this as well. Um, besides Humbert Humbert, and he, you know Henry Henry. The, obviously, there's a relationship to Lolita in this book, um, but um, I also feel the the. I'm sorry. Nothing. Continue. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, the the. I feel that the name, the, the duplicitous name, is another kind of a fun, uh, you know, part of the of the story because he is very uh, much a duplicitous character where like, you know, like he, the, what he's presenting to the reader is not what's going on. So I thought that was kind of fun as, as well. Yeah. But that's, that's his one. Right. Memory. No, I figured that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I figured the HH was for. Cause he was a, you know, unreliable narrator. Yeah. Also the rape. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, Humber Humber was a pedophile. So, yeah. 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 Oh, the part, the part, the part with Ulysses. I'm just like, okay, I'm cringing right now. Like, I, I want to go to, I want to, I'm going to get loaded and beat up some, uh, some, some uh, English lit students. Like, right. That's now. how arrogant he was. That he's like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, let's just talk about Ulysses instead of what's going on in the story. It's like, where was Ulysses? Oh. Like yeah, like he goes on like a full sidebar. Like, oh oh oh, where you can't because he's hiding what's happening with the sis daughter. Yes, yeah. he he because goes on the, a full like. The, oh oh yeah yeah yeah, because he's hiding what's happening because this the daughter's talking to the man with a thousand faces. It's yeah. it's essentially some it's essentially somebody putting their fingers in their ears and going la 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 like like I'm not listening to this like you can't. Okay, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, it was it was like it was like a, a more literary like uh, Family Guy cutaway gag for sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, it just let's just cut away. And, okay, okay, good, good. You read a book, good sir, right. very good sir. <laughs> yeah, wow. All right, so anybody have final thoughts about Fearscape? Brian, you want to go first? 
Um, sure. I, you know, um, I definitely liked it. Um, I feel that, um, I mean, I, I, I wasn't an English major in school and, but I've always, I've, I've, I kind of consider myself, you know, pretty well read and I've kind of liked the satire nature, nature of, of this book and when it comes to when it comes to like writing and and just and what is literary and the pompous nature of somebody you know that's going to quote ulysses instead of telling you what's going on in the story you know it's kind of fun i was an english major uh i don't care that it was obvious because it was obvious. Mm -hmm. Definitely other things did do it better. Um, I think he was awful. I definitely don't think you were supposed to like him. Um, I'm definitely completely and utterly getting tired of meta stories. I wish people would get over them and just write stories straight up and straightforward because mm -hmm. I definitely prefer them um, and leave fourth wall breaking to She-Hulk and Deadpool and <laughs> that's it because they're exhausting but um, for this one it didn't really bug me I can't say what it didn't really bug me but it didn't really bug me maybe because he was simple he was stupid and he was supposed to be stupid and since he was supposed to be stupid I accepted that he was stupid and moved on to his story and his story since it was a sexual assault story and I had a personal connection with it and I saw it from the beginning worked for me. And since that's what I was going for, I didn't have any problems with it and I enjoyed it. And because the art was absolutely and utterly so incredible, I had a good time with it. Um, I did find parts of it quite amusing. Uh, his taking over the voice of other characters, I enjoyed quite a lot. Um, the muse being an absolute idiot was kind of funny. Um, the daughter I liked quite a lot. Um, and again, the colors were phenomenal. Um, I'm definitely going to have to go find uh, more work with those colors. Yeah, I think Popov works in a lot of a lot of vault books. I think he's like a like an in-house colorist because I think he he did the. He did the colors on like Vampire the Masquerade, so I'm like, yeah, this guy must, he must have. He yeah, kind of in-house. He's contract. great. He's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as you guys could probably tell, I wasn't the biggest fan of this book. Um, it's pretty infuriating, actually. Um, uh, just gonna say, I mean, and and Darcy described the character as stupid, and yeah, it's like this book is pretty much like, it's like watching Beavis and Butthead in an you know, maybe one episode occasionally is cool, but watching it all the time is like probably like bad for your psyche. So that's that was like the, that's, that was the experience for me. Um, yeah, and and I felt like, and then I'm glad that you had that personal connection to the, the narrative. But I felt like yeah, it was like really kind of shoehorned in for sure um, at the very end. And yeah, it's it's you know this is like it it's it's fine, but I mean there's it's like, it's like one of those books that you're like, man, like, I wish I was reading something better kind of, kind of thing, which is kind of how I felt when I watched the movie Joker. I'm like, fuck, I kind of want to walk out of this movie and, and uh, go, uh, go rent King of Comedy on Amazon. 
<laughs> see some real some, that's why i didn't watch shit. joker yes yeah, yeah yeah so that's I, like the same thing it's like see i agree with you on that but i feel like this is a little bit different because that wasn't satire that was just i'm stealing no it it, it wanted <laughs> see it wanted to be satire just like this book wanted to be satire no i think it was <laughs> it was taking itself very seriously they live in a society it's satire yes exactly but that's joker they you know that was like a meme taken out of context which you could also make so many out of context memes out of this comic and i hate myself for not doing that but i didn't want to play my hand too early that i strongly dislike this book um all right yeah and if you hey if you liked it there's a sequel coming out apparently so so knock yourselves out I, I so can't believe it's not about the daughter. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. The way well, I mean, it, it makes it makes sense. I mean, you see here, see all the narration. He's like, I'm not writing for the ideal reader. I'm writing for blah blah blah. Like, of course he's not gonna write. Of course he's not gonna you know pull the carpet out and be like, oh, I'm actually gonna write about the character but, that people actually cared about. Yeah. I'm actually gonna play a straight. It's like it's like I'm gonna make this crazy experimental album, and then oh, guess what? I'm gonna play play the standards in the next record like he's not going to do that he's going to but you could do something but the the daughter's the mother to the muse now you could do something interesting with that and just go with a different genre you know cool i mean yeah maybe another creator could but it's what i expect from this franchise and for sure yeah i can see it starting out with henry henry dialogue and then it being basically squashed that's i mean that's that's what i hope um, yeah. And that might have just been marketing copy that he's like the protagonist. Like, that would be cool. I mean, well, probably, yeah, the person writing it could have, you know, since the, the second part has not been written yet, they probably are going off of what the first part and saying, oh, yeah, it's the story of, of Henry Henry, you know? And yeah. so and the second part could be nothing about Henry Henry. Yeah. Well, I mean, O'Sullivan said it in a tweet that okay. about him. And, but, yeah. but I mean, yeah, he could pull the carpet in, you know, kill off the protagonist in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Happens a lot in movies and books and stuff. So Sometimes. could happen here. Lost. So it is derivative. So <laughs> in, in your, in your logic about the book, it yeah. could happen. <laughs> and it could be, you know, a nice story about Joe. It could be like, it could be like, it could be the Stranger Things too, the, the original Stranger Things. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, um, Art, art decisions. I'm sorry. I know we're, we're about to move on. Um, and I just saw this too. Is that um, the the muse is drawn as a, you know as as a child, um, very androgynous. And I'm wondering if that's also something that might be brought up later because she's it's definitely represented as a female character in the beginning of the book, and now like it like not sure if the character is going to no longer be identified as as female going forward which is i think is kind of an interesting take that they could take in the second book yeah this this the heterosexual sexuality this book is to the extreme so i don't yeah. i mean maybe there's I a lot of i remember what she looked like at all yeah, yeah yeah i don't i don't i think i think you're kind of reading into it there yeah uh, but but the thing is but in greek mythology there's a lot of gender fluidity so who knows who knows yeah cool. All right, so what books are we looking forward to in upcoming weeks? Um, Brian. Um, let me get my list here. Um, actually, uh, 
the the book that I wanted to talk about here is um, the uh, Ice Cream Man Presents Quarantine Comics Special. Um, I, if you guys are aware, um, I'm sure you are, that Ice Cream Man is kind of a, um, it's a horror um, book that uh, was basically every issue is, every issue is kind of a different vignette, different story, a different genre, and plays a lot with, once again, it plays a lot with the, you know, the, the, with comics as a medium. And so it's a lot of fun. It's a great book. It's written um, by W. Maxwell Prince and it's uh, art by Martin Morazzo. And it's just, it's just, it's just a great series period. But this, the quarantine comics essentially are exactly what it sounds like um, when, when the, all the comic book shops uh, essentially were shut down because Diamond decided not to, to um, set up uh, deliveries anymore. Um, they uh, started creating weekly mini comics uh, that, um, that take place in the universe of Ice Cream Man. And um, the, and if um, it was to attract people to the, the page and if they wanted to, they could, um, donate to um, the um, Comic Book United Fund uh, to help out these these shops um, that were in need during uh, during the shutdown, and um, so very very cool. And so this is going to to take those six those six books, those mini comics, put them into one one edition, as well as the four guest stints that happened after. The uh, the six original mini comics, uh, and I'm gonna name name off the, the people who did these. Uh, it's it's a pretty nice who's who. Uh, Declan Shavley did one. Uh, Dennis Camp and Archiam Topolin uh, did another one. Um, Al Ewing, uh, P and PJ Holden, and last is um, Christopher Cantwell and Yoan Marin. So you're not just getting the regular ice cream, man. You're definitely getting four different flavors of that. It's always, ice cream. That's always fun. Yeah, it's always fun. So and that that's and what's great about the collected collected edition is that once again, fifty uh, percent of the proceeds go to uh, the uh, United the Comic United Fund. So that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. yeah, ice cream man is definitely a series. Like it's gotten all kinds of hype. I definitely want to check it out. So good, uh, good pick. Um, so, uh, Darcy, what are you looking forward to in upcoming weeks? Um, I'm looking forward to Seance Tea Party, which is by Romina Yee. It is a Penguin Random House comic, which is like the least independent thing ever. We're going <laughs> to pretend. <it's laughs> yes. But hey, they publish comics, um, which is awesome. Exactly. Yes, right? And it's children. It's exactly. And it's children's middle grade. So it's a kids book so yay kids books it's due out next week on september 15th so it's also when third quarter taxes are due so freelancers turn in your taxes nice. uh, yeah, just good reminding. reminding myself for that <laughs> uh it's right. it's basically it's this little girl she's uh she's a kid who is seeing her friends kind of grow up and she hates it she doesn't really want to grow up she wants to stay a kid and so she reconnects with this ghost uh, alexa who haunts her house and kind of <coughs> used to be her imaginary friend and so they kind of like have this kind of tea party thing and they become friends and they go do friend things and romina writes and draws it nice. and it's this kind of quirky 
cartoon style with this great kind of flat colors. And every time I see like her, her like florals and her, her faunas, <laughs> her animals, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, I always think, oh, these would make really cute tattoos. I love, I love her art when I see it on Twitter. So I'm, I'm so excited about this book. I love it so much. I love it. And I read it. Um, so I think this would be really great if you had kids or younger siblings uh, to look into. I, it just looks like such an interesting, fun book. So just in time for I'm Halloween super too. excited about it. Exactly. It's little, yeah. little ghost friends. It's one of those things I saw, I thought automatically of you know, when uh, in The Runaways, when Molly had that friend that they didn't want to grow up and they wanted to stay 14 forever or whatever. Oh, yeah. That, that was so was creepy. Like, oh, that was so yes. creepy. <laughs> but maybe a less creepy version. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because they're ghosts. I don't know. Maybe it's a more creepy version. I don't know. But <laughs> Okay. So for my my looking forward to, I'm going to continue my my face heal, my, my, my just my turn into a heel this episode (laughs) and i'm gonna choose a dc comic dc comic and jinx world so you're like it's it's uh, i'm really looking forward to powers the best ever by brian michael bendis and michael avon elming so this is a yeah so it's it's published by dc but it's a creator-owned book that's been published since 2000 um it was originally published by image and then when bendis you know struck it big with marvel got the exclusive deal he moved it over to Icon. They made the they made the Icon imprint because of Powers, and now it's at DC because he has a deal with DC. So yeah, I'm real. I like Powers a lot. It's it's a really good um, combination of the superhero genre and the police procedural genre. Um, especially I like the early volumes when they were also kind of riffing on like VH1 behind the music. Like there was a superhero team based on the Fugees, and um, and it's cool. And it's also like a really rad show. I, I, I mostly everyone says Bendis, but I mostly read it for Oming's art because. Like throughout the series, he's drawn everything from your typical, you know, beat cops to cosmic insanity to, um, to uh, I think there was an issue where it was just cavemen fucking each other. It was really mm-hmm. controversial, I think, in like Wizard Magazine. I, I actually remember that. Yeah. 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 Oh, what was it like? What was it like when that came out? Came out? Like, what was it like? What was the buzz like around it? I'm curious. Um. You know, I didn't have my finger on the pulse, <laughs> so but I just remember being kind of like, okay, because I was reading it, you know, for the floppies, so yeah. this kind of came out of nowhere. Oh, so you but, read it in floppies? Wow, that's yeah. awesome, dude. That's so cool. I'm yeah, old. yeah, no, no, no. Actually, I like I read it. I've read it in trades, so I'm like really excited to actually like be caught up and see, you know, the conclusion to uh, Christian Walker and uh, Dina Pilgrim's crazy ass story, and it's awesome. And yeah, I know Bendis gets a bad rap, but. I think Powers is really good, and, um, especially if you like, you know, different genres. Like it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you got crime, you got sci-fi, superhero, um, weird sword and sorcery stuff sometimes, which Oming's really good at drawing at. Um, Speaking of, have you read or seen his After Realm? After Realm, Realm, yeah, I read the first issue, and I'm it's like, pretty good. Fuck, it's like him just doing raw Norse mythology for like sixty pages mm-hmm. with a side of eighties nostalgia, and definitely. And I'm excited, you know, and I just get hundreds of pages of, of uh, Oming art. And also I think they're gonna, there's gonna be some like, I don't know, shit talking about the TV, the ill-fated TV show that I actually never watched. You guys ever watched the Powers TV show? Mm-mm. Yeah. I did not, know. It was on like the PlayStation Network and I've never owned a PlayStation, so I didn't watch it. <laughs> I just um, stole my dad's. Nice. So <laughs> I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited to check it out. I, I got it, I got it ordered, ordered on, uh, ordered on Amazon and can't wait to check it out. Yeah, so. 
it's cool and it's cool like it's finally ending after like 20 years so um, and it kind of and like it, it's kind of like the book's trajectory has kind of shown um, kind of how comics have changed from you know single monthly issues to occasional short miniseries because like they had that miniseries where they're in the FBI the Powers Bureau to let's just have a giant graphic novel at the end so it's kind of cool um, yeah so that is what I'm looking forward to being a bad boy 24-7 no Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's creator owned still, so yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very. I mean, it's it's like world. right. Like DC. I mean, technically, Watchmen's creator owned, but they got screwed yeah. over. Like, yeah, that's a thing. Like a bunch of. I mean, I think Marvel. Yeah. So like back, you know, before the days of Image and Dark Horse, like yeah, people would do creator owned. Like Ronan, Frank Miller's Ronan, for was like one of the first ones. Would do like big creators would do creator owned books for the big big two, and it's kind of like. I feel like Bendis is one of the last guys who can really move the needle like that. But okay, enough enough Bendis talk. All right, so uh, uh, Brian, where can folks find you online? Um, I'm on Instagram at uh, Brygen underscore CB, and uh, Twitter is uh, Brygen two eight one four. Not really excited, exciting fo- follow lately, but you know, fo- follow me, talk to me. That's cool. <laughs> Your account's really positive, so. Yeah, I um, I think my last Twitter tweet was a picture of um, a hockey enforcer named Ryan Reeves uh, wearing a muffin mask. So for content like that, you know, just yeah. come on over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Darcy, where can folks find follow you? I'm on Twitter at books underscore serial, and I have a website at books and serial dot wordpress.com and this week we are doing archie andrews wrote yes. a radio show Ooh. Ooh. Nice. i did not know archie had a radio show i'm definitely gonna check that out. i'm a huge archie fan and yeah. hope to cover some of his adventures maybe later on mm-hmm. that would be so much fun i'm a, hu- I I'm a huge archie. archie yeah archie's so awesome it was a it was a fairly short run radio show uh, the I don't, I'm not entirely sure if it was the first one, but one of the early ones, a uh, Nazi prisoner of war comes into town and that's the one I'm doing. That's cool. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, I think there's been a, I haven't read them, but there was a couple, there was like an Archie 1941 and 1955 miniseries that, I mean, I think Mark, I think like Mark Wade's like perfect for that. So kind of, well, maybe there is a little connection. I mean, honestly, I, Wade is, Wade is such a huge nerd. He probably has listened to those. Um, but yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I did not know there's an Archie Ray. Like, I feel like every every episode yeah, it's, when, it's, you do, when you do your plugs, it's I'm a, like, it's a really good radio show. I'm just curious to hear what his voice sounds like because you think of like the Archies, the cartoon, and then like Riverdale, and you're just like, I don't know. It's crazy. It's yeah. not Riverdale. Oh, I know. He I does know. not it's, sound like Riverdale. Oh, of course not. <laughs> of course not. Riverdale is just like, whoa. I'm, I'm way behind on it, by the way. So, yeah. Um, I know my my, my grand when I tell my grandma the plot of Riverdale because she's like a you know old school Archie fan she's like did yeah, that like with his teacher I'm like yep yeah yeah grandma yep that's true that um, was a murderer afoot yeah cool all right and then you can find me um, mostly exuding positivity unless the Lakers are losing at uh, Midnight or if Bay. we're talking about Fear Skate <laughs> uh, Midnight or Bay B A E on Twitter and you can find my writing on graphic policy I have a advanced review of the impending blindness of Billy Scott up. So I really liked it a lot. You can get a little tease of a comic. And I have a couple other advanced reviews on my way. There's so many good comics coming out in the future. Like 2020 is a shitty year, but 
the, the fourth quarter of 2020 is like very top heavy with books. So nice. Yeah. Good. All right. And then you can follow the show at CDB pod. That's CDB pod um, on Twitter and leave questions, comments, hate mail, whatever. You can also email us at um, comicsisarebetter.gmail.com and do the same thing. And we also have a website, comicsisarebetter.wordpress.com. And most of all, be sure to follow us on Spotify, iTunes, whatever is your uh, podcast poison. Hit follow. You'll get the latest episode as soon as it drops. Um, yeah. And read comics. Sometimes they suck, but most of the time they're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.